fancy taking a lump sum BPS payment? There is a catch though. We have moved in the policy position that DEFRA were taking on this because originally the lump sum payment could also have been used for investment on the farm holding. But not anymore. How's 2020 sugar beet campaign going? Do you expect yield to be lower compared to the five-year average with some being as much as 25% down? We'll hear from British Sugar later. And Sean Sparling's here with his usual timely agronomy advice. Kit Dickinson from Openfield looks at the markets and we'll see what the weather holds for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, middle of December, only 12 more sleeps to Santa and not looking like a happy Christmas for the poultry industry. From Monday the 14th of December, all free-range poultry will have to be housed following confirmation of further cases of high pathogenic avian influenza, bringing the total to nine since the beginning of November. All bird keepers, even those with small backyard flocks in farmyards, will have to keep the birds indoors and follow strict biosecurity in order to limit the spread of the disease. No haulage business in the UK would be able to meet the requirements of the proposed live export rules announced a few days ago and currently under consultation. The plan would impose a minimum temperature of 5 Celsius and a maximum of 30 Celsius for livestock journeys over 40 miles even stricter for poultry with a range of 5 to 25 degrees. Agriculture consultant and director of Rural Response Alice Dessauer said it was unclear how this approach could be delivered in any sensible way. The consultation continues through the DEFRA website until the end of January. And 10 EU member states have granted 21 derogations to use neonicotinoids in sugar beet next year and possibly the following two years. The European Food Safety Authority is to investigate this high number and examine the justification for each one. We'll get an update on the situation for the UK and the current beet campaign from British Sugar later in the programme. The AHDB has secured an emergency authorization for the use of as-yet-unapproved potato sprout suppressant DMN, but it's limited to the supply chains of some major processors. A wider application made in August was turned down. Its use will only be on varieties used by crisp and chip manufacturers in the final three months of storage. Without it, the AHDB say the sector faced losses of about £20 million and would have needed to import potatoes to fill the gap. Staying with the AHDB and subject to validation, nearly 200 requests for a ballot on the continued payment of the statutory levy have been delivered to the board. This would trigger a formal ballot process likely to take place in the new year. And finally, a little good news. It seems, according to Waitrose, that the COVID-19 pandemic has changed people's attitudes to food and how they buy it. Shortages at the start of lockdown have given the nation a new appreciation of food, and the survey carried out by the supermarket shows that more people are worried about food standards post-Brexit and could choose to buy more British produce. The survey, the Waitrose 2021 Food and Drink Report, is available online. Last week we talked on the programme about BPS and the lack of detail on its replacement. One thing that's come to light recently is that DEFRA is talking about offering farmers in England a lump sum BPS exit payment rather than collecting their remaining support annually as it's gradually phased out. But it comes with a significant condition. George Dunn, Chief Executive of the Tenant Farmers Association, good morning. That word exit is rather key here, isn't it? Good morning, Steve. Yes, it's, uh, it is key. And uh, unfortunately, 
we have moved in the policy position that DEFRA were taking on this because originally the lump sum payment could also have been used for investment on the farm holding or investment off the farm holding, but DEFRA has now decided that the lump sum payment will only be used in circumstances where the farmer is actually exiting the industry. So we're talking about farmers who are maybe approaching retirement or unwilling or unable to transition to Elms. They basically, DEFRA wants them to move on and make way for farmers who are. Well, for whatever reason an individual wishes to exit the industry, it may be because they are at retirement age and don't have a suitable successor or they want to go off and do something else. Uh, so long as they can uh, comply with the requirement to exit the industry, then our our understanding is that uh, in 2022 they will have a one-off opportunity to do that. And what's the TFA's view on this? Well, one of the most uh, talked about factors in the Health and Harmony document that we received from DEFRA a few years ago was this element of the lump sum payment. and There was lots of interest in it. And certainly we can see it as a means to provide an opportunity for individuals to leave the industry if that's what they want to do. We don't think there will be enough in it for individuals on its own, and they will probably have to look at mixing it with perhaps compensation from a landlord who is prepared to pay for a surrender of tenancy, a bit of compensation for live and dead stock on the holding or or even selling that uh, in in the open market together with other pension provision that people might have. So as, as a part of a portfolio, we think it could be quite powerful to assist individuals into retirement, but we are somewhat aggrieved that uh, individuals who wished to remain in farming and take the money to invest aren't able to do that. Mm. I mean, there's an awful, awful lot involved in succession planning. Obviously, this is just one aspect of it, potentially. But can a farmer then approaching retirement claim the lump sum and then simply hand over the farm to the next generation? We suspect that there will be provisions within the scheme to require new arrangements to be at arm's length. So it wouldn't be possible to do a deal with your um, son, daughter, um, sibling or whatever. So we suspect that uh, there will be some conditionality around that. But until we see the consultation document, which we were expecting before, Christmas and now not expecting until the new year. We won't know that for sure, but we suspect it will be those sorts of arrangements. In anticipation of this, uh, we've seen an increase in naked acre letting. Can you just explain what naked acre letting is? Well, this is where people have got spare entitlements but don't have access to land themselves to use for farming purposes, so they take on a, a lease for a short period of time in order to claim that as part of the BPS application going forward. We always consider it to be a a bit of a a dangerous exercise because if you are not in control of that land or it is at some distance from your main holding and you get subject to an inspection, you are going to have to show that you have that land at your disposal and you are farming it as as the occupier of that land. So... Uh, it, it is a trade that has been going on. It's not something that we would necessarily encourage people to be thinking about because it, it is, it's not straightforward. No, no, absolutely. And they, inevitably with all of this, whatever somebody might end up doing, there's other implications like tax, for instance, isn't there? 
Yeah, so the, uh, uh, when you give up a tenancy, for example, uh, it is um, effectively the disposal of a, of a capital asset. The tenancy is, is, is treated as a capital asset for capital gains tax purposes. And so if you have surrender compensation for that tenancy, then you may find yourself having to look at the potential for taxation and looking at the various re- reliefs that may be available. Uh, we don't yet know whether the uh, income that an individual will receive for the lump sum payment will be treated as income or whether it will be treated as as capital for tax purposes or whether indeed it may be free of tax altogether. That's yet to be decided, but uh, certainly we would recommend that uh, individuals uh, take advice from their accountants before going down that route. Absolutely, yeah. It's yet another thing that we haven't got the full detail on, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, it is worrying four years after the Brexit vote in June 16, lots of discussions, lots of, uh, you know, correspondence and, and, uh, and meetings and, and all of that. And still here we are days before the end of the EU transition period and uh, a lack of clarity on, on, on how we take these things forward. Mm, very, very frustrating, very difficult to plan for anything, really, isn't it? It certainly is, but obviously we in the Tenant Farmers Association, along with our colleagues and other farming organisations, are uh, in there to try and ensure that we, uh, we we move the debate on to to get some of this stuff uh, set, set in stone. And I'm sure if uh, one of your members has questions on this, they can get in touch with you, can't they? Absolutely, yeah. We'd be delighted to speak to anybody in the tenant sector about uh, about the implications of this scheme for them. George Dunn, Chief Executive of the Tenant Farmers Association, many thanks again. Thanks, Steve. This is still a proposal at the moment and it's still out for consultation. Visit the DEFRA website if you want your voice to be heard on the subject. And one voice that will always be heard, because he says stuff worth listening to, is that of Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Steve. I haven't got an awful lot to report, really. There's not much to add on last week's programme, and things are very much unlikely to alter much in the coming few weeks as winter is here. Um, all seed rate, then, pretty much largely done now. Most of the fungicides are finished with. Uh, propizamide is done on all but the most frothy and thick pieces of all seed rate with that big, thick canopy we're waiting to open up. And there's time enough to get the provisomide on between now and the end of January when the cutoff happens. And remember, you'll get a half-life of about 100 days out of provisomide in these cold, wet conditions of the soil that we now have. So time it to target the thing that you're going for, and that will primarily be blackgrass. Also, just take account that the bigger, more established blackgrass plants out there are much more likely to have deeper and more bulky root systems. Particularly relevant, I think, if you haven't done anything already about them so far this season so keep the target as the priority and if that means dropping in a graminicide not clethodim by the way that has a cut off at the end of november and you can't tank mix it with uh, propizomide anyway then so be it there are other graminicides out there slugs are still nagging at all seed rate fields in patches just as they are in cereals so regular monitoring and trapping are the best way to approach that one most of the all seed rate to be fair will stand a bit of slug grazing now but do stay vigilant slugs don't know it's christmas after all 
overall. Um, diseases pretty much dealt with, as I say, in with the curb. And if you're putting fungicide in with the propizamide, remember you need a dryish leaf rather than the frosted or the wet leaf being okay if you're just putting straight propizamide on. Winter cereals then keep monitoring and mapping for aphids and slugs and come to that um, diseases too. It's also worth remembering that it takes a series of minus six degrees C frosts or lower to kill aphids. So if thresholds are still being reached and travelling is possible, then consider treatment, but speak to your advisor about that. But to be fair, aphid levels are unlikely to alter that much in these conditions and these cold conditions moving forward. So speak to your advisor and make that call between you. Yellow rust still quite easy to find out there, by the way. Um, and the cold weather, incidentally, a a cold winter will hold yellow rust at the levels that we can see out in the field. It will kill mildew, but it doesn't actually kill yellow rust. The only way it will kill yellow rust is if it gets cold enough to actually kill the leaf that the yellow rust is on. And that's pretty unlikely, I think it's fair to say. So map these fields and the problem areas by variety. I can find it in Kerin, Kinetic. I can find it in Saki, actually, and several others. So stay vigilant on that one too. Lower levels of septoria than we've seen in recent years at this point but i'm pretty sure that that situation won't last until harvest black grass has also started pushing through as well pushing through some pretty tough pre-em stacks actually so remember you can top up your flufenoset to a maximum of 360 grams maximum per hectare but it needs to be on pre-emergence of the black grass to do any good so in other words it won't do much good at all to any black grass which has already emerged but it may help stop any more coming winter beans emerging in fields that were drilled four or five weeks ago not a lot to consider really in the winter beans um, for the time being other than to say that if you still have winter beans to drill or plant then the optimum is late october to late november but modern winter bean varieties can still go in through december and January and even into February. The problem with putting them in that late in late January and into February is that yields will definitely fall by up to 25% as a conservative estimate and seed rates would need to be increased if you're going that late up to spring bean levels of around 45 plants a square metre instead of the 25 plants a square metre or so of a true winter bean timed winter bean drill. So still time is what I'm saying to you. So that's pretty much that then. It's wet, it's murky and these foggy days don't really lend themselves to much drying out. Perfect conditions for slugs so do unto them with ferrous phosphate before they do unto you we'll keep looking and we'll see what the next seven days bring sean's back same time next week thanks as ever sean sparling sparling agronomy services just about all of britain's 3000 plus sugar beet farmers have had a really tough time this season what with virus yellows due to no neonics and the weather let's get a campaign update from tessa seymour head of newark agriculture for british sugar here we are then, Tessa, two and a half months in, more or less. How's the campaign going? Uh, so the campaign is actually uh, very good at the moment. Um, we've had about 650,000 tonnes of beet delivered to Newark factory already. Uh, as I mentioned in the previous update, we are seeing a range of yields, and that is still the case, I'm afraid. Uh, we do expect yields to be lower compared to the five-year average, with some being as much as 25% down. Um, sugar content has been lower as well, and with the average range about 16.5 to 17%, but again, there's quite a bit of variability across growers. 
just to give you a bit of a factory update as well, uh, we've had um, one main issue in the factory over the last two weeks, uh, which otherwise would be a really smooth running campaign, um, but that has meant uh, that we had to reduce the number of beet deliveries into the factory while getting on top of beet stocks. Uh, it was just a mechanical failure that occurred in the factory lime kiln, uh, where the kiln hoist uh, failed, resulting in 24 hours of no slice. Um, but this combined with dry harvesting conditions has resulted in a greater roadside docks going into the Christmas period. Uh, the factory is doing really well again and it's back up and running to max capacity. Leading into the Christmas period, um, I think we've had a few growers uh, just wanted an update on the Christmas period deliveries. Uh, the contract managers are in the process of speaking to hauliers to get their Christmas plans. So an update on the festive period is we're open as normal, five in the morning to five at night every day. Uh, except for Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, where we'll run from five in the morning till four, and Boxing Day from six to four. Uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day, uh, we will be shut. But if anyone wants any extra loads over the Christmas period, please speak to your contract managers to arrange. Uh, the factory will either slow down or speed up, depending on the beat deliveries. Now, we know yields are down, virus yellows, the weather and so on. Why are you seeing a reduction in sugar content? Again, that's just as a result of uh, the yields and the virus yellows, it is having an impact. Uh, along with the weather conditions that we've had, it is just a knock-on effect at the moment, I'm afraid. Um, altogether, it has been a, a poor season, and we're hoping that with the virus yellows, so we, we appreciate there's been an impact across the growers, um, across the whole region this year, and we continue to work really hard with NFU Sugar, BBRO, for the long-term sustainability of our industry, um, which will include maintaining regular dialogue with the government on the challenges we face and um, to advocate a level playing field. So um, given the unprecedented uh, pressure from aphids and subsequent viruses this year, we have submitted an emergency application for beet growers to use neonics uh, on seed treatments in 2021. Uh, it will be in a limited and controlled way. Yeah, because France and Belgium and Spain and Poland have all announced derogations for next year and, if necessary, the following two years. When do you think we might know whether we'll be allowed to in this country? The process is currently ongoing. As I said, we have submitted it, um, but at the moment we haven't had an update. OK, well, let's keep fingers crossed. It certainly has been a tough season all round for, for just about everybody in the uh, in the sugar beet uh, industry. When's the campaign come to an end? Uh, at the moment, based on, on what we're seeing with the beet deliveries in, it'll be towards the end of Feb. Uh, it might, yeah, that's what we're predicting at the moment. It might carry on a bit into March, but at the moment we're predicting end of Feb. Oh, we just just want to note for the any growers that are concerned, obviously, with performance, and um, just to make sure that they are aware that we won't be applying the contract performance rules to the 2020 crop results. Additionally, this year's field uh, yield performance will not count towards five-year averages for next year's virus yellow assurance scheme, um, and will be discounted for from a grower's five-year average. So we're there to support the growers as much as we can. Um, and then obviously we wish all our growers, contractors, hauliers and industry partners across the region a happy Christmas and New Year and a continued safe campaign for 2021. And I'll wish you exactly the same, Tessa. Thanks. Thank you very much, Steve. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again, Tessa. We'll talk in the new year. Take care. Thanks. We will, of course, let you know as soon as we have DEFRA's decision on possible neonic derogation. So that's sugar. How have the markets performed this week? Here's Open Fields' Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. There has been a recent price weakness based on the proposed increase in Russian wheat quota and an ever-larger Australian wheat crop. This has given way to nervousness ahead of the December USDA report. 
Expectations are for a neutral wheat report, but it is the maize and the soybeans where the potential for a surprise exists, with global and USA ending stocks expected to contract. By how much will depend on the view on the US exports, Chinese imports and what damage the recent dryness in Argentina and Brazil may have already done to their crops, although some analysts still have optimistic yield forecasts. President Putin added to the uncertainty by ordering his government to get domestic food price inflation under control using all tools, which would seem to contradict ideas of an increase in export quotas, but this was never confirmed. This comes after reports of a Russian winter wheat crop being in poor condition, going into dormancy, which, with plunging temperatures and lack of snow, this has already reduced next year's crop. French winter wheat planting is now complete, and whilst being 12% above last year's crop, it is still fell somewhere short of some analysts' forecasts. Malting barley, once again a steady week with little new trade activity. Old crop markets seemingly trading hand-to-mouth as and when parcels are required, and the new crop market has only really been talked about with limited trade. Premiums remain relatively static on the back of limited trade, with the move into feed values exerting greater impact. With the back and forth on Brexit deadlines, at least now with Sunday's next report of a soft deadline, we are getting towards the sharp end of things, and this will allow greater clarity on the new year and indeed new crop trading relationships. Oilseed rate. China has been making additional soybean purchases, which will add to the importance of the supply from South America in the new year with the US having limited additional capacity to service oilseed interest. South America remains dry and overall, whilst the planted area is close to expectations, it is the yield implications that are more of a concern with a knock-on effect to the delay in corn plantings. Russia has also entered the fold late in the week with a move to increase taxes on sunseed exports, and this, along with the export tax regime for Indonesian palm oil, it has added to the market dynamics this week. Finally, ongoing Brexit talks, which have new revised deadline of the Sunday the 13th, continue to increase sterling. This move is linked to the perceived performance of the progress in those talks. So looking at prices this week, feed wheat for December is 191 to 193, with the same price for February of 191 to 193, with a small increase to May at 195 to 197. November new crop 154 to 156. Milling wheat premiums are currently trading at 20 to 22 pounds. Oil seed rate for December is 356 to 358, with an increase into February at 361 to 363. May 362 to 364. Feed barley for December is 140 to 142. February 141 to 143. May 144 to 146 and November new crop 134 to 136. Malting premiums are currently £10 for a 185 nitrogen and £20 for a 165 nitrogen. Thank you very much. Many thanks, Kit. Now, before we take a look at the forecast for the week ahead, I'd like to ask for your thoughts and input regarding the weather. No, not comments on how good or bad it's been. I'm reviewing how and from where I source weather forecast information. I use various sources at the moment, some of which seem to contradict each other or vary in their predictions. I'd like the forecast on the farming programme to be as accurate as possible, so I'm considering all options. Could you let me know what sources you use for forecasting the weather, please? Which have you found good or bad, reliable or otherwise? You can get in touch through the app, 
the website or tweet at Farming Show or email me on farming at linksfm.co.uk. I'll give you those at the end of the programme again. And thank you. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. A little warmer this week by the looks of it with daytime temperatures hitting double figures and no lower than five overnight. Today we've got gusty winds from the south, plenty of rain under a very cloudy sky, highs this afternoon around seven or eight Celsius, actually getting warmer overnight into Monday. A mostly dry day tomorrow after a damp start with the sun possibly peeking through in the afternoon, highs of 10 degrees and some brisk southerly winds gusting up to the mid-30s. Tuesday looks to be mostly dry through the day, but with rain overnight into Wednesday. Lighter southerly winds around 10 to 12 miles per hour and less gusty, highs around 8 Celsius for Tuesday. More rain slightly through the middle of the week, especially Wednesday afternoon. Winds southerly backing to the southeast, speeds in the mid-teens and gusting again up to about 30 miles per hour. Mostly cloudy skies for the middle of the week with highs around 7 or 8. The end of the week looks to be drier but colder with just gentle breezes and highs around 5 Celsius. Those contact details if you want to have your say about the weather. Uh, farming at linksfm.co.uk on email. Farming at linksfm.co.uk or you can get in touch through the LinksFM app, the website or tweet at Farming Show. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Steve Orchard. Thanks to your company. Farming Programme returns for its pre-Christmas edition next Sunday. Until then, have a safe, positive farming week.